This is Mouth Media Network. Amplify and connect. Miller is a pastry chef, food writer, television personality, and cookbook author who has entered the culinary landscape with formidable skill and grace. She had no idea that the food world was where her passions would be realized. But after college, Clancy went to Paris to the Cordon Bleu Cooking School, where a whole new world opened in an almost magical way. Coming up, you'll hear what it was like to live, study, and cook in France. About what it means to work in a Michelin-starred restaurant as the only woman on the pastry line. How cool it is to cook for yourself and then to write a book about it. The book is called Cooking Solo, The Fun of Cooking for Yourself. And you'll hear about an exciting new project called For the Culture a glossy magazine featuring remarkable Black women in the world of food, wine, and hospitality. If you have ever dreamed of a life in food, in or out of the kitchen, you'll be fascinated to hear Clancy's very delicious and inspiring story. I'm Roseanne Gold, and welcome to my kitchen. Clancy, it is such a joy to have you here with me today. During this pandemic and time of quarantine, it is so cool to be able to spend time with you and get to know you. I've heard so much about you, Clancy. We haven't met. And in a very short period of time, you have made a real name for yourself in the food world. You are a pastry chef. You are a food writer. You've been featured on television in Cherry Bomb. And I know you are working on another very exciting new project. So you are living everyone's dream. Tell us how you got started. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. How did I get started? When I graduated from college, I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I set about kind of thinking of uh, my career as an adventure. And so I actually started out not in food. I was working for a non-governmental organization called American Friends Service Committee because I wanted to apply all the things that I felt like I learned at Columbia in terms of language and history and political science. And I thought international relations would be a possibly good fit for me But at the same time, I was taking a lot of classes on the side. So I was taking cooking classes and film editing classes and um, other classes related to interests of mine that I thought maybe I would want to pursue. And the cooking classes stuck. I really enjoyed the classes I would take on the weekend, baking classes, learning how to uh, make pata choux. um, (laughs) Just all these fun things. The baking classes were especially fun. And I decided to see if this interest in food um, would stick. So I got a, I, I, I tried to find a job in a restaurant 
And at the time, a wonderful small restaurant called Fork in Philadelphia was hiring. And so I applied for a job. They did interview me, but the chef said I, I didn't have enough experience. Uh, but she did say I could apprentice there on the ah, and I love I love that you just said it was a she, because we are very into yes. women on this show. But Clancy, this is already fascinating. But I do have a question about sure. the fact that you fell in love with food a little bit later on, because yes. many people sort of fall in love with food in their kitchen when they're really young and they make cakes and cookies and and that's kind of when it started. So was there anything in your background or your family kitchen that interested you or this was really a love that that developed later? Well, I think I'm extremely fortunate because uh, both of my parents are great cooks and um, I grew up eating out in restaurants with them. I'm an only child. They love eating in restaurants. And Where did you grow uh, up? So I was born in Connecticut, born in New Haven. And then um, when I was pretty young, at four, we moved uh, to Atlanta. And then uh, in my early teens, we moved to Philadelphia. So I started eating out with my parents in restaurants pretty much, I won't say from day one, but from, from my <laughs> baby years. Um, and that was always fun for me going out to restaurants. Um, my mom. So you were always... kind of a foodie when you were young, a restaurant groupie. Yeah. I wasn't necessarily active in the kitchen other than helping my mom make cookies, but I have always eaten well and we've always enjoyed going out to great restaurants and having really wonderful meals in restaurants and in the house. But it wasn't until later that I got into cooking. Um, my actual first job in college was working in one of the cafeterias at Columbia. That was like my first work-study job. So that only lasted for one semester, but that was pretty fun. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't until after college that I really started kind of having more of an adventure in the kitchen, like me making food. Okay, so I really needed that background. And now we can jump back to Fork. And the woman who was in charge or, or the chef of Fork in Philadelphia said to you, you don't really have a lot of experience, but then what yeah, happened? Yeah, I think I give her a lot of credit because she was um, very generous and kind in offering me the opportunity to apprentice on the weekends at Fork. Um, her name is Anne-Marie Lasher. She's a great chef. And one of the key kind of light bulb moment pieces of advice that she gave to me was that, um, in her opinion, I didn't have to go to culinary school. She said, you don't have to go to school to become a chef. However, if you want to become a pastry chef, I would recommend it. Um, and so at the time I really did want another kind of schooling. So I thought, oh, well, I could go to culinary school and maybe I could go to culinary school in Paris and I could combine <laughs> my love of food with my love of French. And so that kind of, uh, that's, that's why I ended up going to Le Cordon Bleu. You went to Le Cordon Bleu in Paris and you were already in uh, in, fluent in French, Clancy? Yeah, I had studied French starting in the seventh grade and I just kept up with it through high school and college um, and studied when I was in, uh, let's see, my 
spring semester of my junior year, I studied in Paris. You know, the advice she gave you really was uh, so fascinating. I'm really thinking about this. I think you can be an artist and not go to art school, but you cannot be a pastry chef and not, it's almost like being a scientist. You kind of can't fake that one because pastry is so scientific and um, so skill and craft oriented. So I never thought of it that way. Quite brilliant. So it was that simple statement that had you thinking this big idea about going to Paris and to Le Cordon Bleu. Exactly. Yeah, that that started it. It didn't happen overnight. I had to save some money. I was living at my parents' house. I got a second job so I could pay for it uh, because my goal was to not have to borrow any money. And it worked out. (laughs) I have a feeling you have, you brought many gifts with you. That's really (laughs) remarkable. And I think it's important for people to know that these, you can have wonderful dreams, but they don't happen overnight and it's hard work. You had to get an extra job, make the money and then go. So what was it like at Le Cordon Bleu? I've never been. It was really, um, it was a lot of fun. My first year, I lived in Paris for a total of four years, the Le Cordon Bleu program is a nine-month program. It was both rigorous and fun and really charming. The I chose to do the pâtisserie, the diplôme de pâtisserie. So it's the the pastry diploma, so to speak. And the way and you have three options at Le Cordon Bleu. You can do the grand diplôme, which is both cuisine and pastry, or you could do the cuisine diploma or in like I said, I chose pastry. And so the way it's organized is you start your day with a demonstration, demonstration by one of the chefs. And it's basically, it can vary in length. I seem to recall them being about two hours, depending upon what was being made. And so, you know, I think the first thing we made was a forêt noire, a black forest chocolate cake. And we just watched the chef, we would watch the chef prepare whatever the lesson was for the day. And then the next step was for us to have our pratique and the practical practical classes last around three hours. And you basically have to make exactly what the chef made. Mm. Um, Did any of this feel overwhelming? It sounds a little scary to me. um, You know, some of the stuff was overwhelming. I got more difficult. You know, there's the, the, the classes are broken up into three levels. So your first um, set of classes are pâtisserie de base, basic, basic pastry. So you're making sablé, you're making butter cookies, you're making simple sponge cakes. Um, then there's uh, intermediate pastry. I think that was the level we started making croissant and viennoiserie. And then, um, and a whole bunch of other things. And then the superior level is when you're starting to learn things that you really might be making in a restaurant or a classical, the classic French restaurant. Um, so lots of dessert menu items, lots of souffles. And we also started learning how to do candy making, which is actually very scary because you can burn your hands off. Wow. But it, again, it sounds like you had a knack for it. Did you have any doubts at any along the way? I was already pretty much in love with all things French. And um, to be absolutely honest, when I had studied in Paris, when I was in college, 
I actually didn't have the best time and I kind of vowed to have a do-over of sorts. Mm. (laughs) And so being in culinary school allowed me to have that do-over. And I had a wonderful experience. And I think it was one of the first times that I experienced what um, some people call the flow state, you know, being in a state of flow when you lose track of time, um, which was one of the clues for me that I loved food in the first place. But it was really wonderful to have that experience on a daily basis and to have it include so many senses, you know, because you're using so many senses when you when you're making food. Beautiful. And then you had the most amazing opportunity to work in one of the most famous restaurants in the world, Taiwan. This is a, such a special Michelin starred important historic restaurant. And Clancy, when we come back, I want to know more about how you got that job and what the experience was like, because I know there are a lot of men in that kitchen. And the gate to the garden Here's a cooking tip, or rather a baking tip to share. This for my guest, Clancy Miller. In as much as people are doing so much baking at this time, and I make cookies all the time, to, so that you don't eat all of your cookies in one setting, which is so possible, freeze your dough and then just slice off the number of cookies you want per like day or sitting. That's one of my kind of, uh, that's actually like a proportion management thing I do, but it also means you possibly will have cookie dough for longer. Yeah. Yeah. So in other words, make your batch of cookies, but don't, don't use all the dough at once. Freeze it. From Clancy's Kitchen to yours, give it a try and pass it along. Okay, so now, Clancy, you are having really an idyllic life. I don't know if you're able to partake of all of the great restaurants in France. I know they are in Paris. They can be quite expensive and you're still a student. But maybe you did a lot of eating around in great bistros and things. I'd love to hear more about that. But right now, we're back at Taiwan, this extraordinary restaurant. I've been there it is right up there with one of my great food experiences uh, as a diner. But what was it like to work there? And how did you get that stage? It's amazing. It was, um, it was really wonderful working there. I got it. I was very lucky. A friend of mine was apprenticing there before I was. And I actually started out apprenticing at a bakery that was a little less wonderful or a lot less wonderful <laughs> than Taiwan. And um, yeah, it was a, a bakery in a really kind of posh neighborhood and they actually had wonderful baked goods, but the kitchen left a lot to be desired. And I mentioned it to a friend of mine who was at Taiwan as a stagiaire, as they are called in French. She invited me to come to Taiwan for the day And uh, the chef was really lovely. And I basically asked if I could stage there longer because my bakery apprenticeship was coming to an end. And so I got to stage there, which was incredible. So basically, thanks to my friend. And what did that mean, actually? Did you work very long hours? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's basically you're working for free because um, it's ultimately a learning experience. So you know, it's I was fresh school. out of culinary school. Yeah, it was amazing. It's a, it's, it's definitely a privilege to be able to apprentice uh, and take an unpaid apprenticeship. 
but yeah, it's still work. Uh, so I was arriving probably around eight or nine in the morning and I would leave around eight or nine in the evening. Oh, um, it's a long day yeah. for free. Oh, it was a very <laughs> long day. Yeah, it was a very long day for free. Um, but I was learning invaluable things. So I was helping to set up for uh, the lunch service and then helping to prep for the dinner service and making the best part about it is that, you know, it's a Michelin starred restaurant. So you're getting the best products available, period. So the best fraise de bois, the best chocolate, the best cheese, the best of everything. Um, so it really, it really felt special. I, I remember just the feeling of kind of like walking with my back straighter as soon as I came into the restaurant. Oh, how lovely. Yeah, it felt really incredibly special. And it was a little, it was kind of rowdy sometimes in terms, I was basically working with all men, some of them extremely. Oh, you were, that was my next question, Clancy. Yeah. The pastry department too was mostly men. Absolutely. And they start super young in France. So there were, there were teenagers, you know, who had, <laughs> you know, the schooling is a little different in France. So you start to specialize at a very young age, um, anywhere from your teens to your late teens. And so there, there's a special kind of energy in a kitchen. And those young guys probably love the fact that this beautiful woman from America was working in their kitchen. Maybe they really enjoyed that. Well, I hope so. I enjoyed, I just thought it was kind of, um, I thought it was a great opportunity and I felt oh, very yeah. lucky. And I also often felt kind of amused <laughs> because there's this kind of a little bit of a flirtatious energy and a lot mm -hmm. of curiosity. Um, by that point, I had been living in Paris for a year but I probably was the first young African-American woman they had worked with in a kitchen. So it was a kind of, there was a playfulness that I appreciated. I'm, I'm so happy to hear this because these are not the stories you hear all the time. But Clancy, again, I think it, a lot of it has to do with you and the energy and elegance that you brought to the situation. What were some of the outstanding d desserts? Did you bring the recipes home with you? I did. Um, okay. So one, we used to make for the, the petit four. So like the little, the little mini desserts, the little miniature tarts that would come out along with whatever, regardless of what you choose for dessert, we would always serve these miniature chocolate tarts with gold leaf on top. Mm. We would serve um, a little tiny, strawberry tart but it was made with fraise de bois which are these wild strawberries that are they are wonderful smaller. they're they're like candy. like a pinky nail right <laughs> yeah exactly they're the size of maybe half your the top of your pinky and they're filled with so much flavor and we would put this little lemon cream in the big in the middle of the tart and then put the fraise de bois around the around the cream so it kind of formed a little like a dome. Mm. Those were incredible. Um, one of the simple desserts that I learned to make that I actually ended up putting in my cookbook is um, a moelleux marron or like a little 
cake made of chestnuts. Mm. And it was the simplest recipe because it's basically just uh, chestnut paste, eggs, and butter whipped together. And the chestnut paste is already sweetened. And so, you know, you just add a bunch of eggs and butter and it's this moist little cake. And we would either dip it in rum or put chocolate on it or we would do different things with it. But I just thought it was such a lovely, simple cake that you could do different things with. That was kind of an all-time favorite. This whole experience sounds remarkable. Really, is something that people dream about. Clancy, I'm so glad you mentioned your cookbook because when I mentioned earlier about your career going quickly and, and, and beautifully, so in a fairly short period of time, you came back to the States and in 2016, I think it was, you wrote your first cookbook and yeah. it was called Solo and it was about cooking cu- cooking for one. So how did you even think to do a cookbook? And is it all about desserts? Because I think the, the, the actual title is Cooking Solo, the fun of cooking for yourself, which is beautiful. Yes, yes. It was very much inspired by my time in Paris because that's that was when I actually first had the experience of living on my own without any roommates. Um, And so I was cooking for myself uh, and really enjoying going to the French markets and of course, learning a lot um, being a student at Le Cordon Bleu. And I also kind of sidebar, I worked part-time as an interpreter for the cuisine classes so ah. even though I wasn't a student in the, for the Grand Diplôme or for, you know, the cuisine classes, I sometimes got to translate for them. And so I ended up kind of learning some, some extra things through that. And so it was such a great time of just learning about food and experimenting on myself and kind of experimenting on friends. And so cooking <laughs> solo was very Lucky much um, created in that process or inspired by that process. So was the but book it's actually, not it's not all desserts. Yes. I'm looking at the cover and it looks beautiful and colorful, savory, gorgeous dishes. So the uh, book was actually written then in, in Paris or when you came back? When I came back. Yeah. I, um, there, yeah. So it's funny you say things happen quickly because it, it, to me, it feels like everything is, required time and patience. But when I came back to a couple of things, uh, a couple of things I, I basically realized after working at uh, Taiwan, first of all, is that I love food and I love cooking, but I'm kind of slow for a professional kitchen. Hmm. And so I started to look for opportunities to still be in the world of food, but perhaps not as a professional cook in a restaurant kitchen or bakery. And fortunately, Le Cordon Bleu had a job opening in their recipe development department. And in that job, I learned a lot about writing recipes. And I also started freelance writing about food and then came back to the States and uh, basically was continuing to pursue writing freelance about food. Yes, it's it, this path is so wonderful for people to hear about that you fortify yourself with great knowledge and information and skills. And then I think women are very entrepreneurial and also make different kinds of choices than just cooking in restaurants. So 
you also wound up on the Food Network. You were featured, I believe, on a show called Recipe for Success uh, yes. about American culinary professionals in Paris, which is very cool. And then you were also on the Cooking Channel show Unique Sweets. Yes. Okay. That's fantastic that you were able to parlay all of this into this, uh, as I say, this terrific career. Well, it's funny. A lot of the thing, I feel like almost every opportunity I've had has been as a, a result of a relationship with a friend or a, an acquaintance, the recipe for success. I think it was somebody else who reached out to me who was in contact with a producer at Food Network. And yeah, so that came together beautifully. And then the producer at Food Network was really wonderful to work with. And she ended up working on another show and invited me to be a guest on it. So that was really nice. Sounds like you have a lucky star following you, but you are a hard worker, (laughs) apparently. (laughs) Tell me some of the writing and who you're writing for right now. Um, Well, right now, a lot of my focus is on a new project that I started at the beginning of the year called For the Culture, a magazine celebrating Black women in uh, food and wine. What a fabulous idea, Clancy. I've been reading quite a bit about it, and I think everyone has come out to support this effort. I feel incredibly grateful. Yeah, I started a, a crowdfunder to launch the first issue of this magazine in December. Yeah, in December. And everything seems like a blur now, <laughs> but um, it does. yeah, so the crowdfunder was from December until the beginning of March and the goal was to raise $40,000 and I did. So <laughs> that is uh good for really... you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That feels incredible. It's called For the Culture. It is a magazine, I think it will be twice a year, a big glossy magazine dedicated to women of color uh, in the food world. I think people will love and appreciate this effort. And I saw the cover of your first issue. I I guess this was sort of a mock-up of what the real magazine will be, Clancy, with Edna Lewis on the cover. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Edna Lewis, the amazing cookbook author and chef on the cover. I knew Mm -hmm. her very well, Clancy. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So we can certainly talk about her. I go way back. You know, I've been around for about 40 years. And when I was the executive chef at Lord & Taylor, uh, Edna Lewis had started a little line of jams and jarred products. And I was the first one to buy them from her and sell them at Lord & Taylor. So I would love to share some of those stories with you sometime. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. So when we come back, we're going to hear some more stories from you, Clancy, and also your legacy recipe. If you're wondering about my beautiful theme music, it's called The Garden, written and performed by award-winning singer-songwriter Audrey Appleby. Follow me on Instagram at Roseanne Gold. And check out everything I'm up to on my website at rosangold.com. Clancy, so we are interested, I am interested in hearing now about what's important to you. We know the magazine 
um, some of the other writing that you're doing, but you have so many steps on this gorgeous food path. In addition to the magazine, what else are you dreaming about? Oh, wow. Uh, what else am I dreaming about? I, you know, I do have a love of film. And at some point, I would really love to be able to tie that into my repertoire or tie that into my narrative and figure out how to combine maybe a food story with film. Um, I can't say that I have a specific project I'm working on, but if if we're talking big dreams and kind of really far in the future goals, that would be fun to do. But at the moment, what I'm really thinking about is um, the kinds of stories I want to include in For the Culture. I um, extended the call for submissions for the first issue, given all that we're all going through with um, COVID-19 and how it's affecting the food world. So I'm very curious, I'm very concerned about how, mm -hmm. you know, this moment we're living in will influence uh, the food industry and a lot of industries and a lot of people. And I'm really interested in the stories that are to be told from this moment. So um, in this precise moment, I'm, I'm kind of switching hats and trying out the hat of a hat of an editor. Wonderful. And I can think of several women, again, going way back when I got started, who would probably be very happy to mentor you. Um, and I'm happy to introduce you to a few of them, Clancy, because that's what our industry is about and women helping women. It's so strong. And I also feel this is a very important year for women. You know, we've worked very hard to, to open up doors and, and uh, be supportive. It's a real sisterhood. So I love what I'm hearing from you. And, and this show is about big dreams. Yes. Yeah. I feel like we have to continue to dream big, even when, you know, the moment might seem incredibly daunting and um, kind of dour and scary. Yes. Um, especially for someone who loves to go out and eat and travel. It's been such a big part of your, your own education. What happens now? How do we transfer those experiences? So yes, the show's about big dreams and legacy recipes. So yes. Clancy, what would be a re legacy recipe for you? Something you'd either like to be known for, or maybe even something you would like to eat is the last thing you eat. I'm going to, I'm going to, pick the recipe for today will be the moelleux au marron that I mentioned, the chestnut cake, mostly because it, I love cakes. I love sweet things and <laughs> it's so French. It's so Parisian and it kind of uh, represents a lot of really wonderful experiences and it's easy to make. So. Well, that's beautiful. Also, that. I, I think it's a wonderful idea. I can't wait to make it. Uh, you know, I'm kind of famous for cooking with three ingredients, Clancy. So the fact that this cake has three ingredients definitely speaks to me. And nice. I think it will to everyone else too, because in this time when we're shopping very, very carefully, um, the idea of being able to make delicious things with the fewest ingredients is, you know, really a wonderful, wonderful idea. And Clancy, yes. who... Who were some of the people who did inspire you? Um, it doesn't. I don't know if you sit in bed all night and read cookbooks, or where do you find your inspiration right now? 
Uh, I find inspiration from so many people. Um, with Instagram, I feel like I'm inspired constantly by strangers. But, you know, mm-hmm. coming up, Edna Lewis, Julia Childs, like a Marcus Samuelson, so many people, Dory Greenspan, so many incredible, incredible, Bertame, um Grossner, like who, else? oh, Maya Angelou, who is kind of like a low-key great cook or was a great cook and cookbook author, Jessica B. Harris, um, definitely is an inspiring person to me um, because of her kind of cosmopolitan way of growing up. And she's also a Francophile. Um, Yeah, I could go on, but those are some, those are, those are a few of the people who've been inspirations for me. That's an amazing group you just mentioned. Uh, You know, I certainly know most of them or know most of them because it is the food world is actually a very intimate world in many ways. And you mentioned Instagram and I know you have a big following, my dear. So how can people get in touch with you or see your Instagram? The best, uh, yeah, Instagram is by far my favorite um, form of social media, and my handle is Clancy Cooks. So at and it's K L A N C Y. Exactly, yes, K L A N C Y C O O K S. Clancy Cooks. Wonderful. And how often do you post? And are you, you know, baking mostly, or just it? You all know, of your it varies. Um, I. Sometimes I'll post recipes that I've recently developed. I usually post, I guess, maybe two to three times a week, sometimes more if I'm really creating lots of new things. I like to post to my stories sometimes, random things. I try to leave the the really well-presented stuff to the to the grid. And then for my stories, I'll just kind of pontificate about what I'm cooking or random <laughs> observations or even what I'm watching on television. Oh, it sounds like a lot of fun and very alive and very creative. Clancy, uh, this has gone so quickly. Um, I do want to ask you the one question that I do ask all my guests, and it is, what does one woman kitchen mean to you? A one woman kitchen. Oh, wow. I think it means being in touch with your instincts and being in touch with your cravings and what you desire. So I feel like your kitchen should be stocked with what you know your tastes are and what you know your favorite things are so that you can hopefully make them or improvise something that'll become a new favorite. Um, I think of self-sufficiency and imagination and kind of being able to sate your own cravings. That's beautiful. It sounds like a very nourishing, delicious place to be in your kitchen. (laughs) I hope so. so. (laughs) I wish you you so much luck with your projects, Clancy, and that I hope we get to meet in person in better times. Thank you so much. And thanks to all of you for joining me and Clancy in my kitchen. I'm Roseanne Gold. One Woman Kitchen is produced by Mouth Media Network. Follow me on Instagram at Roseanne Gold and check out everything I'm up to on my website at RoseanneGold.com. Thank you for listening.
This is Mouth Media Network. Amplify and connect.